It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 11th of May. We look back at some of your great questions from yesterday that went unanswered. Jarebko, Cephalosha Udo, Favors, Tobias Harris, Kawhi Leonard, all names that will be mentioned. Coaching inadequacies, market inefficiencies at a pack Friday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Jazz NBA Insider, so glad to be with you today. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give me the insight, expertise, geeky numbers, a lot of those today. And I look behind the curtains to the NBA and the Utah Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, Intercap Lending, and Optimal Norms. All right, let's. yesterday's Facebook Live was really, really good. And frankly, you guys gave me enough questions. Well, I'm going to lead them into Monday and Tuesday, uh, not to cop out and have you do the work. We'll also do player previews. But I thought there were a bunch of great questions, and I wanted to get to some of them uh, right away today uh, because I thought they were relevant, and then I'll continue to kind of work through those, and you're always welcome to send me questions as well. Uh, Obviously, a lot of different questions came in on Derek Favors. uh, And... uh, Favors return, one of the questions was, would Favors take a hometown discount? And so is that meaning that he's going to sign in Atlanta? Like, I always think that's an interesting question. Like, why is this his hometown? So his hometown is Atlanta. He got traded here uh, beyond his control. He re-signed once. But this is not his hometown. And nor does he in any way, shape, or form as a player owe the Utah Jazz a discount. So in the most simplest of terms, no, nor do I think any athlete should ever take a hometown discount now or a current team discount. Now, if there is a point where Derek's market does not yield to a big contract and a primary starting role, and now he's working trying to figure out where he's going to go, and he's at a one-year contract for a decent amount of money, but it's a one-year contract, and he can move knowing he's going to move again in a year, or he can come back to a place where he's comfortable, where if Antonio Lang's back as the assistant coach, where he has an incredible relationship, almost father-son-esque, I don't want to put too much on that, Uh, but, I mean, really close. Antonio's just an incredible guy. I talked about him yesterday on the program. And uh, all of those things, then if that's the case, then maybe he takes less money, but that's not a discount for the Jazz. That's deciding that the comfort, coaching, Awareness, not having to move, has a value that makes it worth staying. And even at that point, I would guess the money has to get to be the same. Uh, So 
I I wanted to, to the Jazz have an advantage and a disadvantage with Derek. The advantage is the relationship with Antonio Lang, the understanding of the system, the knowledge of the city, that everything is comfortable. And I don't know if Derek loves change. The disadvantage is you know you're not the starting center and you know you're likely not to finish games and you know that when teams go small, you're the one who comes off the floor. And that's a real disadvantage. Quinn did a masterful job of using Derek in different ways late in the season, closing with him at times, and, you know, I think trying to show him that you can be very, very valuable in the franchise. But I think if Derek gets, you know, a three-year offer from someone to go be their starting center, he's it's he goes. Not any disrespect to Utah, but his time here has changed, and Rudy's got the max contract, and, you know, it's pretty clear um, what happens there. So that's my thought on that, and I just, you know, I don't know who would ever take a hometown discount in any realm of life, frankly, when we're talking millions of dollars. You know, like if you and I take a decide to keep with our current job because the difference of $5,000 isn't enough for us, that that's... That's a legitimate discussion. I think most of us that are listening to this program, um, well, I know the, I know the analytics. The analytics are this is a pretty high end group, um, and so the you know we're a pretty high end group, but the number that we need to change our lives is pretty dramatic, probably. Um, you know, we're not talking millions, so there's no chance I would ever say that I think an athlete should take. Six million to stay at the hometown discount rather than either anywhere from eight million for somewhere else or eighteen million on a multi year contract or something. So uh on that end. Uh Jerebko Cephalosha Udo. Got a bunch of questions on that. Uh we're gonna hit these questions. These are great. Uh Jerebko Cephalosha Udo. All of them have team options. I believe Jerebko and Udo are like July 7th, and Cephalosha is July 1. A lot of this is going to be, well, there's two things to it that are interesting. One, you could pick up all their options because then you can trade their contracts. I have to look at the rule, which I do not know, um, whether or not after you pick up an option, there's a limit to the time period in which you can trade someone. I don't believe so. Um, a little bit because of Chris Paul, right? Uh, on that Chris Paul. But that was Chris Paul picking up the deal. So one thing is that those are all trade assets. If on Either way, on draft night, they're all incredible trade assets. Because if somebody wants cap space to make a deal, you can trade any of those players on, trade dead, on draft night to another team. They don't exercise the options, and then they get that space. So if someone's looking to try to clear space for a deal and frankly probably knows what they're looking for by draft, that's an that's an amazing piece of flexibility for the Jazz. The answer to whether the Jazz want to bring them back is the Jazz are pleased with the performance of all three of them. 
but the amount of moving pieces that will take place between now and any time a decision is made on them are so enormous, there's absolutely no way to tell you. So you could trade them at the trade deadline. Excuse me, you could trade them at the draft. You could get a free agent that suddenly wants to come to Salt Lake, at which point then you need their cap space, you need the money. You could get a sign-and-trade possibility, which case then you need to pick up their deals to, to move them um, if it's past those dates and everyone gets off that contract. So there, Or you could just not have a lot of movement, not a lot of opportunities, and you bring all of them back for one year and you reset for 2018. Excuse me, you reset for 2019. So there's just so many pieces to that puzzle that I don't know that I don't know that there's a good answer for you. But I think they're they're fascinating cases and they're a sign of what a solid job Dennis Lindsay and the front office have done that they have that kind of flexibility. Hard on those players, no question. Um and probably you know, it's an interesting really interesting case. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this correctly. All three of those are nice players. Um, all three of them, in some ways, you might need an upgrade, depending on what you're asking them to do. Um, you know, is Jarebko about to become your primary starting, you know, four? No. You need upgrade of that. Is he your if you're stretching the lineup out and Derek's gone, uh, is Udo good enough to be your backup center? And are any of Concephalosha or Jarebko be your starting power forward? I don't. You know, you could have probably have to decide those things for yourself. But I, I think that that's probably you know. So they're they're interest. They're really interesting cases. Great question. Great great question on that. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. As you have heard, we did a little purchasing at Murdoch Hyundai. And now Murdoch Hyundai wants to invite you to get some of the very best deals on SUVs this summer. Okay, so here are some of the deals they have for you. Uh, the, the Join the Family SUV sales, what they have going on uh, for the month. For the Hyundai Santa Fe, nineteen nine ninety. That's incredible. Love the Hyundai Santa Fe. We just bought ours. Ours was a little more than 1990. Um, but it's awesome. The Kona, which I'm driving right now, which is the small SUV, um, like the Subaru Crosstrack, zippy, fun, uh, great gas mileage on it. Uh, 249 per month with nothing down. Like that car a lot. 218 Elantra. Only thirteen nine ninety. That's thirteen nine ninety for a brand new car. That's not an SUV, but that's a sedan. It's pretty incredible. Plus, Sirius XM satellite with every new car purchase. You get car washes for life, safety inspection for life, five-day exchange policy, and the famous price match guarantee. Murdoch, you always receive the 100,000-mile 10-year warranty along with Hyundai Assurance. It's Murdoch. Visit Murdoch Hyundai in Linden, Logan, and Murray and get started at MurdochHyundai.com. See dealer for details. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. 
multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, um... There were some other questions to get to, but I wanted to touch on coaching market inefficiencies. So in my mind, there are three coaching market inefficiencies that are taking place uh, in the NBA that I think can be taken advantage of from a money ball standpoint. So one is totally obvious. It's female coaches. Like, I worked in the WNBA for seven years. Those coaches are great. College basketball is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Uh, the idea that college coaches don't have uh, women, co- women coaches on the recruiting trail talking to athletes who often, 50% of our marriages nationwide are and have ended in divorce, so therefore are often single-parent homes – is insane to me. But from a pure basketball standpoint, I, I'm in awe of what Johnny Bryant, Lamar Skeeter, Mike Wells, Jeff Watkinson, Antonio Lang, Igor Kokoshkov, Zach Guthrie, and Alex Jensen do for the Jazz. In awe of it. The idea that a woman couldn't do it is just stupid. Like, I don't even know. Like, it's just an absolute no-brainer to me. The fact that we have two female coaches in the entire league, Jenny Busek, who is a head coach in the WNBA, and Becky Hammond, like, it's an incredible inefficiency in the marketplace. Uh, One, diversity of ideas is good. Two, diversity of personalities is good. Three, diversity of relationships with players is good. And four, there's just... Absolutely nothing. Like, I think both Johnny Bryant and Lamar Skeeter, who are going to hit my next market inefficiency, by the way, are tremendous. Tell me what on either of their resumes. Zach Guthrie, tremendous. Tell me on any of their three resumes what they have that in any way, shape, or form is superior to that of most women candidates. None of them played in the NBA. Uh, Lamar was a player development video intern for the Hawks, spent a year in the D-League with basketball operations intern with Alex Jensen. Um, He was a graduate assistant at Walsh University 
and he played Division Three basketball, I think, uh, in Dayton, Ohio. And was an insane soccer player. Johnny Bryant, we know well. Johnny Bryant's incredible. Johnny Bryant out of grew up in Oakland, came to the University of Utah, then started doing skills camps, did a great job, got hired by the Jazz. But there's nothing to, at least in my opinion, in any way, shape, or form, that would lead you to believe for one second that the women out there that played collegiate basketball, coached college basketball, played WNBA, played WNBA as a superior resume, frankly, of knowledge of the game, understanding the game, work ethic, and ability to work with the staff. It's just an incredible market inefficiency. The second one that's a market inefficiency that is where the Jazz have actually done a nice job, is African-American non-players. So uh, this is changing a tiny bit on the head level, but Dwayne Casey when and Alvin Gentry were the only two African-American non-players in the league as head coaches for all. Now Dave Fisdale, I believe, matches that as well. David Fisdale played at the University of San Diego. Um, Mike Brown matched that for a little while, and then he just became a coach. But that is a route that, for the most part, has been denied to African Americans. It's evolving a little bit. I believe there's another coach who's escaping my mind right now uh, that fits into this. But right now, Fisdale, Dwayne Casey, Alvin Gentry are African American non-players. It's a very... Very difficult road for someone to take. Jazz have done a nice job on that market inefficiency because Lamar Skeeter and Johnny Bryant, who both will be pissed at me for calling them non-players, but, you know, they know what I mean. Uh, That was supposed to be funny. So that's... um, I'm trying to figure out who the other coach... um, But Brad Stevens, Brett Brown, you just look around. Kenny Atkinson, non-playing coaches, Billy Donovan... Basically not. I mean, I know he made a training camp. Tom Thibodeau, Mike Malone. Like, white non-playing coaches are everywhere. Joe Prunty was the interim in Milwaukee. Stan Van Gundy. Like, just run it. It's ridiculous. And African-American coaches are Doc Rivers, Jason Kidd, right? So there's an incredible market inefficiency there. And it's interesting to me to see whether it gets addressed or not. Lamar goes down to the D-League and works with Alex Jensen and then builds it up. Antonio Lang is a, class, is a former player in the league. He went to Japan, coached there, made money there, almost got forgotten, and alertly got brought back. The third one is the obvious one is the European coaches. Right? That there is... And that one's easy because you say, oh, well, there's a language barrier. Eh, I don't know. Most of, our, most of our players are working on English as a second language half the time. They've gotten pretty good at it. They're pretty impressive. But that's the other one. That there's all this basketball going on worldwide. And it's probably not as advanced. The European leagues are pretty darn good. The globalization of the world has allowed these coaches to watch whatever and wherever they want at all times. 
And so there's a there's an inefficiency there as well. Um so the three um items that are out there that if and and and, and I'm not just to give you guys an idea that I, I'm not making this up. In fact, uh, I hope he doesn't mind, but when Igor and I have had coffee and we talked about his Phoenix Suns thing, I, this is, I, I said exactly this to Igor about building his staff. Like, there are great coaches around that are not being tapped into. The Phoenix Mercury's WNBA head coach is incredible. Sandy Brondello. Like, she's incredible. If I'm Igor, I'm all over that. You know, 50-year-old woman. Oh, might be 49. Sorry. Sorry, Sandy. Didn't mean to make you old. I think she won a title in the WNBA, played in the WNBA, been an Australian national coach, or is the Australian national coach right now. Um, I think she's coached both European game and, I mean, like, what? Like, seriously. Like, seriously for a second. Let's Let's take... This athlete for a second, okay? So this is a five-year WNBA pro only because she'd been playing overseas prior. She was a 96-2000-2004 Olympian. Okay, so her pro career runs from, you know, for 10, 12 years. She then is a four-year WNBA assistant, a head coach, a two, then another three-year assistant, and then a head coach. She was a two-time All-Star. She was an Australian League MVP. She was a WNBA champion. She was the coach of the year. She was a WNBA All-Star. Like, what on that resume, other than being a woman, is precluding her from being in the NBA as a coach? Right? Best coach I've ever worked with before Quinn Snyder was Ann Donovan. Be- I mean, by unbelievable. Okay? Um, this is someone who played in two Olympics, Hall of Fame player, has been a head coach four or five different times, been a coach since from 89 to 2015. Like, how won a WNBA championship? How does she never get a shot coaching in the league? It's a market inefficiency. I mean, there's other words for it, but that's what that is. Today's show is brought to you by Optimal Norms. Optimal Norms. We're doing everything we can for our kids uh, athletically. Trust me. Oh, my gosh. Um, I love it. It's awesome. It's great. But it's right. Um Do we do anything to help our kids in the mental aspect of the game? Because the mental aspect of sports is critical, right? Handling pressure, confidence, motivation, focus, decision-making, relaxing in key moments. That's what Optimal Norms is here for. Optimal Norms, you sit down one-on-one with a mental performance consultant, deliberately training the mental aspects of the sport. And while most athletes don't take the time to do that, yours will suddenly have that edge. The consultants have advanced degrees in sports science. Makes it available to attack for athletes uh, to get that edge, to feel comfortable in those pressure moments. And then the cool thing that Optimal Norms does is using modern technology. Do we always have to be face-to-face? No. We can do it through the screens. If you're busy, you're at an event, you want to interact, have a session, 
And do it via the screens. OptimalNorms.com, 801-722-8180. 801-722-8180. Say to Mason. If you sign up for five or more sessions, make sure you tell them you're with Locked on Jazz, and you'll get a session for free. It's OptimalNorms.com, 801-722-8180. Are you about to refinance, considering refinancing as we move into the summer, or looking to buy a home or sell Intercap Lending is here for you. They're in their 40th year of business. Josh Romney just moved the company to Utah. They're headquartered in Utah. have about 200 employees. They do things differently. They're hyper-responsive. They've embraced change, and they want to improve the borrower experience. By being a direct issuer, they're able to really help that borrower experience. Let me work in reverse order and talk about the borrower experience first. They're going to service your loan, so it's a long-term relationship, which makes it better. Veterans, that's about half their volume. They have great VA pricing. But also, since they don't, since they're direct lending, if you have a difficult loan, that difficult loan could be your self-employed, could be business assets, could be multiple properties. Let them take a look. If it's low credit, let them take a look. Could be a blip on the radar screen somewhere. Well. Let them take a look at what they can do. Steve Carter will help you out at 385 885 That's 385 I also mentioned the fact that they embrace change. Their app is tremendous. You can download the app, the Interlending, Intercap Lending app right now, and you will end up uh, being able to pre-qualify in this crazy market. And then they use that app throughout the process of the mortgage to be able to just take pictures, move things along. Uh, and really, it helps. It made it incredibly easy for me. And hyper-responsive. Steve was just amazing. Steve Carter was just amazing. I, I don't know how we got it done during the season for me, but we did, and I can't thank him enough uh, for that. 385-885-28, Intercap Lending, NMLS, number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. We saved just a ton of money. I mean, just a ton. It's been it's been a just a game changer for us every month. 385-885-28, that's 385-885-28. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, let's do a little, let's let's look at playoff pack versus regular season pack of our players. How's that? Um, all right, so playoff pack. The hot, uh, just to let you know who the hottest player in the league is, Chris Middleton had the best playoffs, followed by LeBron, followed by Steph in his four games, and then Kyle Lowry was great. Uh, Giannis was great. 
Al Farouk Aminu was good for Portland in their loss. Al Horford's been amazing, plus 2.5. And Rudy Gobert was great, 2.1. So let's take a look at Utah. And we're going to look at regular season versus playoff pack. Uh, playoffs, obviously, much harder. And we had some injuries in there, so it'll be interesting to see um, what it, what shows. Um, so Rudy Gobert was our best pl- pack player at 2.2, and in the playoffs, he was 2.1. Pretty incredible. We all are complaining, wanted more out of Rudy. The pressure got to us as fans. He was the exact same. Joe Ingles, during the regular season, was 1.3. During the playoffs, 1.6. Pretty impressive, Joe. Pretty darn impressive. Okay, our next best pack player was Derek Favors at 0.6. In the playoffs, 0.9. Pretty impressive, Derek, to get better. Our next best pack player was Jonas Jerebko during the regular season at 0.1. And in the playoffs, he was a negative 0.3. About the same. I mean, there's a, you know, he didn't hit. Jonas hit 17% of his threes. He couldn't get that corner three that was so good for him during the season. Um, he only hit one three during the year, during the playoffs. He did not have a great playoffs, if we're really honest about it. Uh, Howell Neto was even during the regular season. He was a minus .9, shooting 30% in his limited action in the playoffs. Probably a little bigger stage. This one's pretty cool. Royce O'Neal, during the regular season, was a minus .4. And remember... A huge thing for me is you've got to get rid of as many minuses as possible. Um, And just try, you're not going to get marquee players all the time. Just get everybody above positive. So Royce O'Neal shot 39% from the field and 34% from three. And in the playoffs, Royce O'Neal was a positive .6. That's so cool. Because Royce O'Neal went from playing 23 minutes a night, or 16 minutes a night to playing 23 minutes a night and got more efficient in the playoffs. Went to the free throw line 10% of his possessions. He shot threes 35%, which is right. Both are a little bit of an uptick from his regular season numbers. He just did everything better. Pretty cool. Jay Crowder was a minus .4 for the season. You know what? Actually, I just noticed something. that for, I don't think it's going to change anything, but just in fairness, give me one second here. I just noticed. Um, no, we're good. Um, there might be a slight, one or two of the regular season numbers might be off by a little bit. looks like we're missing the last three games. But I don't think it's going to matter. It's not worth delaying things. So Jay Crowder was a minus point four during the regular season with those final remaining games. During the playoffs, he was a minus 2.2. That's a real struggle for Jay Crowder in the playoffs. And the last series was worse. 50% of his shots were threes. And he shot 33% on those. He shot 32% overall. So that was a struggle uh, in the playoffs for Jay Crowder. Alec Burks was a minus .5 in the regular season. He was a positive .5 in the playoffs. Good for Alec. 26% of his shots were threes. 8% of the free throw line right about where he regularly was during the regular season. He just did it better for that span of basketball. Donovan Mitchell was a negative .6 during the regular season. In the playoffs, he was a minus 2.1. So big steps still need to be made there. His free throw, his his shot distribution went from 33% threes and 7% free throws to 27% threes and 6% free throws. So he became more 
less efficient shots, less efficient overall. Shot 42%, 31. He did, you know, average 24 points a game, but it was an inefficient playoff debut, and that'll be the next step for him. Uh, Ricky Rubio during the regular season was a minus .9. During the playoffs, a minus 2.5. So as great as Ricky was for his his triple-double and the great game against Oklahoma City, overall he shot 35% from field and 31% from three. Averaged seven rebounds, seven assists, did a lot of good things. But one of the huge questions is what would happen to Ricky in the playoffs and his individual use of possessions, actually his efficiency went way down. His LHM score, which is Larry H. Miller's metric, went way up, by the way. So contributed in huge other factors. Uh, but negative 0.25 is is a big deal. And Dante was a minus 1.6 and the playoffs was even. So Dante in the regular season was a minus 1.6, least efficient offensive player on the roster. Oh, but that's, actually, take that back. That doesn't include his final games, so that's not fair. So just during the playoffs, he was a zero. That only includes Dante's first few games. So he was he was even during the playoffs. Retract that on what Dante's regular season final number was. So interesting. Top guys, Rudy, Joe, Derek, all held. Royce O'Neal and Alec Burks took nice jumps, as did Dante. And then not so great for Donovan, Jay, and Ricky. Playoffs are hard. Playoffs are really hard. Uh, guys who've had the worst playoff, because we always like them with a negative. No, we don't. We're positive people, but it's... Russell Westbrook, by far the worst offensive player in the playoffs, minus 3.8. Dame Lillard, minus 3.3. Evan Turner, minus 3.2. Rudy Gay, minus 3.1. Carmelo, minus 2.7. Marcus Morris of Boston is hovering at minus 2.7. Ricky Rubio, minus 2.5. Danny Green, minus 2.5. Jordan Clarkson, still playing, minus 2.4. Tony Parker, minus 2.3. Marcus Smart, minus 2.2. Jay Crowder, minus 2.2. Donovan Mitchell, minus 2.1. And DeMar DeRozan, minus 2. Were the least efficient, biggest negative impact offensive players. Anybody else surprisingly good here that's still playing that's worth mentioning? Kyle Korver's been great as always. Kevin Durant, of course. Clint Capella, of course. And uh, Joe Ingles. 1.6 is pretty high up on that list. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Talk to you on Monday. Have a great day. Thanks for your great questions. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Get all the latest on Locked on Jazz at LockedOnJazz.net and LockedOnSports.com for the entire Locked on Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.